by you doing that. Well, you guys ready for the word? Yeah. Is anybody excited about the word? Yeah. I'm real excited about the word. Uh, the person sharing the word today is a young man that came through this ministry when he was just a, a little boy, teenager, right? 18 years old. I always look at the young guys that come at 18, 19, 20, 21, and I have to tip them my hat to them because I don't know how you would have got me in here at 21 years old. It would take more than an act of God because it took an act of God at 33. But this man decided at 18 years old that he was going to submit his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, since that time, he's committed himself to the ministry of Brooklyn Teen Challenge. He's uh, made his way up the ranks and is the men's program house manager at the young age of 22. Just turned 22, right? He's uh, uh, an up-and-coming star, I believe, in the kingdom of God, if that is possible, in the ministry. He gives everything in all that he does, sometimes even too much. For those that you know him, know him. He's a little aggressive at times. He gives 110% into everything, and we appreciate him and what he does for the ministry. So without further ado, if you could give a round of applause for Joshua Loyola, also known as JL. All right. Man, I'm excited to share with you guys tonight. Um, you know, I, I, I really believe that God put a word on my heart that has just uh, fed me and encouraged me in, in such a way that uh, I know it's going to go forth and, and touch people's hearts and really uh, really minister to somebody here. And uh, the word, the title of my message today is uh, The Testing of God's Saints. And I really I want to talk to you guys about a man named Abraham who, uh, you know, he's given many names such as the father of faith. And he was one of the... Uh, real initial characters to this this love story that we have in the Bible. And, uh, you know, just to go into a little bit about, about Abraham before we get into the text, Abraham was a man chosen of God out of a city called Ur. Now, I want you guys to just travel with me as I try to visualize this and, and take us into the word here. The city of Ur was a very fortified city with huge walls and advanced civilization. And uh, the, the majority of the people that lived there were all idol worshipers. As a matter of fact, there's a rabbinic text called the Midrash that claims that Abraham's father was an idol maker. And um, so you can imagine this environment and uh, what, a, what a crazy concept it is for Abraham to come out of a place like this and claim that there is one true God and, and make such a drastic change in his life to support this belief. Everyone probably looked at him like he was crazy. You know, there's a story in the Midrash about uh, Abraham getting fed up one day and breaking all of his father's idols. And his father came home in rage and asked him, what happened? How did this happen? Who broke all of these? And Abraham said that they got up and broke each other. <laughs> and his father to his surprise, didn't even believe him because, of course, he knew that they were just idols and they had no life. 
and they had no, uh, no power and ability to have any impact on any of us. As a matter of fact, you know, knowing the character of our God, the idols greatly contrasted them. They were uh, little statues that these people would, would serve and, and try to feed to appease them with sacrifices and uh, different acts of, of obedience that were pretty crazy. I mean, even going into child sacrifice and all kinds of insane stuff. But uh, Abraham got this revelation that of the one true God. And he decided that after he heard from the Lord that he was going to drop everything that he had and go on this journey of faith. And the journey really begins with this promise that God would come and, you know, he's ha- he, he has three covenants with Abraham, but just to summarize, he, he says that he's going to make Abraham into a great nation. He's going to make his name so great so that he will be a blessing. Those are God's exact words. And, you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't pause here and, and notice on, on how God works in our lives. He, he blesses us and he lifts us up so that we can be a blessing to other people. It's never something, it's never unilateral or, or selfish. It's always to pour out. God blesses us to be a blessing through us to other people. Now, the second covenant that God made with Abraham was the covenant of the promised land. He told Abraham that he would lead all of his descendants into a land flowing with milk and honey that uh, would be called the nation of Israel. It's a, a, a piece of land that spans from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates in the Middle East, which we now know as Israel. And the third covenant that he gave to Abraham was that he would be the father of many nations and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Now, we're kind of just jumping through his life here and uh, just the dialogue between Abraham and God as we lead up to the main text that I want to dig into tonight. But uh, this covenant that, these covenants that God made with Abraham were so significant and if I could just take a few minutes to talk to you about them tonight, the, the significance of the covenants in the Old Testament were between a suzerain and a vassal of us all, probably mispronouncing it, Pastor Will could probably help me out later, but uh, there would be one party who were, was more powerful who would be making an agreement with another party who was less powerful that they would have a peace treaty of sorts. And uh, they would take an animal or several animals and cut them into pieces and lay these pieces out on the left and the right and create a path in between them. And the two men that were partaking in the covenant would walk between the pieces, agreeing that if they were to break their deal, their end of the covenant, that, that they would end up like the pieces of animals on the floor. Now, God made a covenant with Abraham. However, this was a unilateral covenant where God made all the rules. And animals were cut. They were laid out on the floor. God laid out what, what he said would happen in Abraham's life if he would just walk out his faith in God. And God himself passed through the pieces of animals. And this is significant because God keeps his promises, and he didn't need Abraham to walk through the pieces because he was going to fulfill both ends of the covenant. 
And in light of this covenant and the promises that Abraham received, he faced many tests in his life. And that's really what, what I want to get into tonight here. And uh, if you guys have your Bibles and you want to turn to Genesis chapter 22, it should be coming up on the screen shortly. Right, Andrew? You know, the Bible is full of these heroes of faith, and uh, we have their lives to look back at to really take something out for ourselves. And, uh, I, you know, before we get into the text here, I really believe that there are some people in this room that are they're at the Red Sea in their life. They're at the Jordan River, and it's flooded. They're standing in front of the, the walls of Jericho wondering, how could I get through? They're looking at Goliath in the face. They're facing the biggest test of their life. And they're just left with no answers. So let's dig into the text. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And notice his response. He says, here I am. In the Hebrew, it's actually, he says, see me, Lord. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on it. You skipped something there. Come on, Drew. No, that was it. I'm sorry. Just uh, seemed a little abrupt there. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And again, he says, here I am, or see me, Lord. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. We can stop here for now. Now, as we read in the, in the text, I know it was a lot to take in at once. We saw here Abraham's defining moment of faith. Now, we know in the earlier chapters by reading that Abraham waited 25 years for a son. And scholars believe that around this time that Abraham was 120 years old. He went through so much turmoil in his life to receive the promise of God. Issues with his family, with his neighbors, mistakes that he had made. And in Genesis 21, all the dust settles. And, you know, you figure at this point this guy would get cut some slack, right? 
He deserves some rest. 120 years old, putting up with all this nonsense. But God comes to test him. And he says, sacrifice your son. The one thing that Abraham holds the most precious. And I want to talk to you guys quickly about God's testing. As we see Abraham being tested here in, the, in this text. There's three things about God's testing that I want to talk to you guys about. Number one, God never tempts us with sin. God cannot be tempted himself with sin, so he won't dangle sin in front of us and tempt us. However, God does test our faith. But we can take these tests of God as a compliment because there's never a time in our life where God brings us to a test. He brings us to a mountain that he has not already prepared us to overcome and pass. That's why James says that we can count it all joy when we face tests and trials of various kinds. At this point, I'm, I'm working on my uh, PhD in getting tested. But, you know, another good thing that God's test shows us is that God expects something from us, and we could see that here. God expects something from us. He expects progress and growth, and he expects us to work out our salvation He's telling us that we can't stay the same. Paul says that we grow from faith to faith. Now, originally coming, coming to faith by believing in Jesus Christ and him dying on the cross and growing from faith to faith, continually moving forward. And at this point, you know, we see a Abraham that is mature in his faith. In Genesis chapter 22, this Abraham is mature in his faith, but it wasn't always like that. To get to where he was in Genesis chapter 22, he had to walk through many obstacles in his life. But I want to talk to you about four observations about Abraham's faith. And the first thing that I picked up on was Abraham's swift obedience. It says in the text that when he heard from the Lord to sacrifice his son, he didn't waver he didn't think twice about it, but he got up early the next morning and saddled his donkey and cut the wood and got on his way. Younger Abraham was very reluctant, and he had many shortcomings, a few being when he was first called of God, he was told to leave his family and go to the land of Canaan. And instead, he decided to take his father with him and his nephew Lot. And uh, he waited for his father to die about 15 years, which delayed God working in his life. And then we have the issue of his nephew Lot, who he was told to leave his family and everyone behind. But he kept Lot around for 40 years. And Lot brought him so much headache and heartache. And if he had just obeyed God, he would have been on his way. And I think there's some of us in this room that have a lot to get rid of. But that's a word for another time. And the third, the third shortcoming of Abraham I want to touch on is his son. We know about his son Isaac, as we read about, but he had another son by the name of Ishmael. And his son was born out of trying to 
jump to a conclusion and, and lean on his own understanding. He slept with his wife's servant, Hagar, and a son was born to him by the name of Ishmael. And it was actually through Ishmael that the Islamic religion was born. And because of one act of disobedience, we can see today all the conflict and, and problems that has been caused just by one act of disobedience. And I want to tell you guys today that reluctant obedience is disobedience. Can I preach to you guys today? But even when we falter in our faith, he is still faithful because God cannot deny himself. God is patient with us. And I'm so thankful that Jesus never says, this is the last time I'm going to put you together again. Because I have just fallen apart time after time after time. But God used all of Abraham's mistakes to, to teach him a lesson. Another quality of Abraham's faith that I noticed was his sustained obedience. You know, a lot of us, it's easy to have an enthusiastic start. But there's a big difference between an enthusiastic start and actually crossing the finish line. You know, I know all about enthusiastic starts. I start a new diet every Monday. <laughs> you know, Jesus talked about this in the parable of the sower. <laughs> Getting choked out by the cares of this world and distracted and, and falling away and withering away. You know, this is a marathon race. It's not a sprint. These guys, there's sometimes guys come into the program and they're just trying to do the most and they end up just burning themselves out and leaving in a month. The guys that say they're going to do an internship and be a pastor two weeks into the program. You know, there was something curious about Abraham's actions here in this chapter. We know that he was old, and we know that he was wealthy. Yet, if you notice, he sought to it himself to saddle his donkey to chop the wood. And that's because mature faith is never satisfied with partial obedience and leaving things up to chance. God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, and he personally saw it through. He wasn't going to leave zero room for error, zero room for disobedience. He said, this is my offering, and I'm going to get my hands dirty. I want to smell like donkey. I'm going to get blisters and splinters from chopping wood. In a sense, he said, I will not offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing. He could have had his servants go and, and take care of everything, but he saw to it himself. And he went on this three-day three journey, and God, I can only imagine being in Abraham's shoes, having three days to just sit on this insane idea of sacrificing your son, having time to consider, reconsider and rationalize to wrestle with God. But that leads us to the third quality of Abraham's faith, which is sacrificial obedience. Now, if you notice in the text, before Abraham went up the mountain with his son, when they got to the point where the donkey could no longer go on the trail, he said to his servants, wait here with the donkey. My son and I will go up to the mountain and we will return to you. And that's how faith speaks. 
He heard this word from God that he was going to go to this mountain and sacrifice his son. But he said, we're going to go up there and we're both going to return. He believed that even if he did have to kill his son, that God would have raised him from the dead. Because faith trusts and hopes and prophesies over the situations that we face. Faith is the hope of things not yet seen, after all. And Abraham fully intended to sacrifice his son, even though God had promised him that he would give him a son through which would come many nations and that he would be blessed. You know, he, he reasoned that God would raise him from the dead if he did actually have to go through with it. And in a manner of speaking, by his faith, he received his son back from the dead. They're at the bottom of this mountain, and, and Abraham loads the wood onto Isaac's back. And scholars believe at this point that Isaac was around 16 or 20 years old. Abraham had the fire and the knife. And right away, you know, this just all seems so impractical. But like I said, Abraham wasn't playing any games. He was all in. He wasn't going to leave any room to disobey. He brought the fire. He brought the knife. He brought the wood. And he brought the sacrifice. And as they're going up the mountain, Isaac notices, and he asks the only question in this entire dialogue, Father, where is the lamb? And here we see a picture of things to come. Before the world was made, God made a plan for the salvation of mankind. Adam fell into sin, but God made a promise of a son who would come and crush the serpent's head and redeem us. And he leaves markers all throughout the Bible so that we can recognize Jesus. You know, well before, when I, when I found this, I was completely blown away. Well before the time of Jesus there's another commentary on the book of Genesis called the Genesis Rabbah that rabbis wrote. And in, the, in that commentary, they say that Isaac carrying the wood up the side of the mountain is like a condemned man carrying his cross to his execution. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Isaac, the precious promised son. We see him as a picture of Jesus going up to be a sacrifice. And then we have Abraham, whose heart was breaking into a picture of the Father. Abe answers Isaac, and he says, God will provide a sacrifice, my son. And, you know, if we take a quick look at Jesus and his role here, he was a sacrifice for sin, from God, for God. Right? He sees the, the wrath of God that sin had brought onto our lives so that we could be in communion with the Father again. And Abraham realized, much like Jesus God had provided a sacrifice to me to be given through me for himself. Abraham realized as he was going up the side of the mountain that his son 
was going to be sacrificed because the whole time God only God entrusted him. He believed that God entrusted him with his son just to be given for himself. And we'd be remiss as Isaac builds, as Abraham builds the altar on the top of the mountain and he places Isaac on top of the pyre and binds him with rope. We'd be remiss not to notice the obedience of the son. Isaac was young, virile, 16 to 20 years old. And Abraham was an old man, 120 years old. He could have easily overpowered him. He could have easily gone and ran away or worse, killed his father. But the faith of the father was the faith of the son. Isaac knew his father's heart so well that he didn't even question him, not once. And here we see a picture of Jesus on the cross. And Abraham goes to raise the knife. If you could pull up verse 10. Abraham goes to raise the knife. And he hears an angel of the Lord. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And God wouldn't let Abraham suffer the loss of his son. But God himself went through with it. God didn't spare his own son for us. He says, now I know that you fear God. Because God wants us to act out our faith. He already knows what's in our hearts. He knew Abraham was ready for the test. He wouldn't have set him up if he believed he would have failed. But he wanted to see the knife in the air. He wanted to see Abraham's faith acted out. And that's because knowledge of love is not nearly as moving as love acted out. And I know I've said a lot, but I'm almost done. And uh, the musicians, you guys can come up as we bring this to a close. God tests us, but God will prepare you for your test and see you through it. He will see you to it and see you through it. Come on, somebody needs to let, tell that one to Pastor Jimmy. God will see you through it and see, see you to it and see you through it. That's good stuff right there. God will ensure the right provision at the right time. Can you pull up verse 13, Andrew? Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it with his son as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And they went down 
to the servants together as he promised. Man, can you imagine that conversation? You know, uh, let's just keep this between you and, you and me, son, all right? Don't tell mom about that one. You know, when we come to the altar of God withholding nothing, God will see to it that he provides for you and that he provides through you for himself. I think you guys need to hear that again. When you come to the altar withholding nothing, God will see to it that he provides for you and that he provides through you for himself. Now, you may be sitting in this room under the sound of my voice at the foot of Mount Moriah in your life, contemplating the sacrifice necessary to move forward, wondering if it's all worth it. For some of you, just being in this program is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for the Lord. And it's not to say that sacrifice is more important than obedience. But as we've seen in Abraham's story, sacrifice certainly moves the heart of God. You know, you, a lot of you guys are here and you're making your way up the mountain. And you're pressing on to see this thing through. And you're getting distracted by the pain and the suffering. And you're slowing down and you're stopping. And you're thinking about turning around. And I want to encourage you guys today that God will see you to it. And he's going to see you through it. Whatever test you may be facing in your life, it's coming as no surprise to the Lord. And it's going to serve to produce perseverance in your life. Pain and suffering are only temporary. You know, there's this misconception floating around Teen Challenge that you, you come here to get your life back. But the staff will agree with me. That's just a big lie. You come here to give your life away because you couldn't live life. Thank God for that. Some of you need to remember the covenants that, that Jesus has made with you. He says that he's going to free you from addiction and chains, that he's going to give you new life and hope. And I want to go out on a limb here and say that there's someone here that, that needs to renew their commitment with God and make a commitment to stick this thing out. Make a commitment to turn back around and to keep move, making their way up the mountain. And with every, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you tonight, if, if you feel a tugging on your heart, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I'm not going to try to embarrass you in any way. If you could just put your hand up. It's between you and the Lord. I see you guys. God sees you guys. He's going to see you through it. Just keep making your way up the mountain. Laquan, can I use you as an illustration?
this guy right here. Laquan has had uh, quite the first couple months in your program. How long have you been here? Almost three months, and uh, praise, you can praise God for that. We can clap for that. But it hasn't been an easy three months, right? Been on indefinite a couple times. More definite now. But I'm getting off, right? I'm getting off, right? I'm off. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But you know what? Laquan is still making his way up the mountain. Laquan is still getting everything that God has for him. That's because he knows that God brought him here. And God brought him to the mountain. And God's going to see him over it and see him through it and continue to bring him forward. Isn't that right? Absolutely. If it works for me, trust me, it works for anybody. You can grab a seat, man. Uh You know, God brought you here to this room tonight, and he saw you to it. And he's going to give you the strength and the wisdom, and he's going to see you through it, because that's his character. He doesn't change. You know, I remember as clear as day sitting in probably that same chair as you, Matt. And I had probably been in the program for two weeks. And someone was up here sharing. And to be honest, I don't even remember what they talked about. But I remember sitting in this chair and, and coming to the place in my, in my mind where I said, God, nothing I've done to this point in my life has worked for me. I've only suffered loss and shame. So God, if you're real, I'm going to give you a chance to have your way in my life. And I've done nothing but barely cling to him for a couple years and he's done so much in my life and I know that he wants to do the same for each one that's here tonight and as I close I just want to read James three verses out of James real quick that should be coming on the screen it says consider a pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's a good word, right? Praise you, Lord. And I just want to pray for you guys as we close, and we're going to sing a song. If you could bow your heads. Oh, Lord God, we thank you so much, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and it, and it comes and pierces our hearts, Lord. I pray, God, that everyone in this room would leave encouraged tonight to continue to make their way up that mountain in their life. God, that everyone in this room would leave here feeling refreshed, Lord, and encourage God to continue to seek you and all that you have for them, God. That everyone in this room would renew their commitment with you tonight as we sing of your faithfulness, Lord. God, we thank you so much in advance, God, for all the, all the testimonies and the work that you're doing here in the lives of every student, of every staff member, of every guest. 
And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.